Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Once again, we come to you from my sumptuous balcony office in Las Vegas, Nevada, and in the distance, you hear a leaf blower. That is how we roll here. It has a from the field feeling. And I want you as the listener to feel as if you're the third person sitting in on a private mastermind conversation in a very pleasant place with a nice atmosphere, a nice vibe, a nice breeze that makes you feel really, really enervated with your pad of paper and two pens out as you capture those aha moments that will give you the slight edge as you optimize your ability to serve your community market and audience from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. And once you've been doing this for eight years, you'll be able to mix up your taglines as well as I do. Anyway, today we are going to discuss motion. We're going to discuss inertia. And this is about building up inertia to boost your business and avoiding stagnation. Now, what's interesting about this is Sometimes when people say the word inertia, they think that means standstill. What inertia means is something is moving inexorably. So that's why we put inertia as a contrast to stagnation. To guide us through this concept, we have with us Diane Tarshis, who is going to tell us more about it. But let me tell you about her first. She's the founder of Startup Distillery and a seasoned business advisor with 20 plus years of experience. Working with entrepreneurs across the U.S. and the globe, Diane uses her unique mix of finance, retail, manufacturing, and operations experience to help entrepreneurs distill their ideas into profitable, growing businesses. So, Diane, come on in. The weather's fine. Adam, thanks so much for having me. And you're right. The weather's gorgeous. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I will caution our listeners that my voice is halfway gone. Uh, It's just a matter I've been doing so many interviews lately. And we have just so many things happening. So what you're going to hear from me today is sort of the low key version of my producer level intensity. So this is a change of pace from the usual rip roaring excitement of the business creators radio show. So be it. But we will inspire you with brilliance. We'll inspire you with passion. And I may make a few funny remarks along the way that'll have you rolling in the aisles or at least chuckling mildly to yourself before we do all these things. Diane, what we have people do on the Business Creators Radio Show is I read off the official bio, and yours is so impressive. I'm not sure I'm worthy to be here, and this is my show. What we want you to do is tell us a bit about your, I mean, I read off your credentials and such, but tell us about what it is about your journey that has brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Well, uh, good question. I... I'll give you the short version. So the short version is that when I was growing up, I, uh, my father was a, um, department store retail executive and I thought business was fascinating. And I figured, gosh, I want to go to school and study business. Um, and I want to become a corporate executive. And then while I was at school, I, I went to Wharton undergrad and uh-huh. I, I had some time on my hands and I, wanted to try to apply what I was learning. And I got involved with um, this joint venture between the SBA and the university. And I was doing consulting uh, with entrepreneurs in the Philadelphia area community. And that changed everything for me. So I'd never even heard the word entrepreneur before, because this was the dark ages. And, um, uh, and it, it really, it really, changed my whole mindset. So after I graduated, I went to Wall Street and I, you know, I did a lot of corporate things, but always in the back of my mind, I was like, 
I want to deal with entrepreneurs because I find the whole world exciting and fascinating. And um, after uh, more than a decade um, on that side of the business world, I decided to, um, it was time to start a family. I wanted flexibility. And that was the time for me to become an entrepreneur myself and to work with the people that I had frankly fallen in love with, uh, who are so passionate about what they do. And um, so that's how I ended up starting my firm. And frankly, my goal is very simple, which is to help people make their business dreams come true. So that's it. Well, that's pretty straightforward. And I know that myself, I had originally the goal after I completed my MBA of chasing the corporate ladder and becoming a training and development director for a Fortune 100. The entrepreneurship bug bit me, bit me hard and kept biting. Yeah. It was less than six months later after I turned down all the job offers I got that I ended up starting a side hustle that supported training and development firms and developing their curriculum and materials while getting vertical, excuse me, diagonally promoted the day job I'd had while I was pursuing my MBA. It took me two years to make that jump where I could move it from side hustle to being my full-time gig. As soon as I crossed that Rubicon of the side hustle actually makes me more money than the yeah. job, I was able to make the jump. Now, this is, two, this is between 2003 and 2005. And most of what we know today about the environment of business in its current form was either ethereal or non-existent, candidly, at least in terms of the technology and some of the communications methods we use today. A lot of it just didn't exist and hadn't even really been dreamed of at that point. Right. So beyond that, I didn't know what questions to ask. I didn't know where to find the questions. And I didn't know what I didn't know. And I didn't know that I didn't know what I didn't know. But in <laughs> hindsight, I'd have got my ass out of there in 60 days with what I know now. And so my brilliance and my passion is dedicated toward helping people get there faster. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, and, and that goes to our theme, which is energy, motion, inertia. And you've given us a number of talking points in the green room, and we'll probably just kind of go through them in order here, because I like how they really help us define our terms and give our listeners a framework. So the first one is, is why, in your view, do entrepreneurs need to set clear business plans, such as financial projections and revenue goals? And how can they plan to hit those financial targets? And let me add one other element to the question. Even if they have no framework and no idea how the hell to identify a framework because they're either so new to it or so disconnected from what's going on. Yeah. You know, Adam, I think you really hit on it when you were talking about trying to help uh help entrepreneurs get there faster. Um, The way I think about it is helping them get there faster, you know, not, not wait. It's all about not wasting time and not wasting money, right? Why make all of these mistakes that aren't really necessary? So, um, um, oh my God, you asked such a hefty question that now I need you to repeat, (laughs) repeat it. Uh, Um, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do it. This, uh, podcasting is meta marketing. I mean, you still hear the leaf blower in the background. We might have to go inside if you get too close. Why do entrepreneurs need to set clear business plans, such as financial projections and revenue goals? How can they plan to hit their, those financial targets? And then the part I added on is even if they're so new to it, they don't have legacy data to reference or they're so disconnected from the data, they have no idea where the hell to start. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, you know, you want to know where you're going and how you're going to get there. And if you don't, then you're going to spend a lot of time spinning your wheels, wasting time, wasting money. And, and, and what for, why, why bother to do that? You might as well develop some kind of a roadmap. You know, there's a lot of talk out there about, you know, fail fast and fail often. And I'm like, why, why fail at all? Why is that necessary? Who, who said that? <laughs> so actually um, I did, actually I did in my book, uh, Groundhog Days, an event, not a business strategy. I love to tell the story of a former friend of mine who was a supervisor in a call center and he was coaching uh, one of the people who worked the phones. And he said, the reason I'm a manager and I supervise you is because I've effed up a lot more than you have. 
<laughs> so I actually agree that, yeah, sometimes we have to have those experiences in yeah. order to learn because you can't understand what it's like from the peak of the mountain if you, if you don't know the depth of the valley. You won't have the frame of reference for comparing the two. At the same time, what you and I can do is help others see these potholes in the road before they hit them themselves and steer around them. That, that's exactly right. So I'm not saying failure is a bad thing. I'm saying, why seek it out when you could avoid it? So, um, and, you know, and when, when things go awry, yeah, you, you know, dust yourself off, you learn from it, whatever. Um, but here's the thing. The, the, other, the other point that I like to make is that when you've got some kind of a roadmap or path or framework or plan, whatever you want to call it, um, it helps you um, in terms of developing the big picture also. So if you don't have a plan, you end up in what I call firefighter mode, which is, or, or reaction mode. You're just sort of reacting to whatever the fire of the day is and trying to put it out instead of being proactive and thinking about what it is you want to accomplish and what you need to do and why, and then going after it and staying focused when you need to stay focused. And having this sort of big picture underlying uh, as your foundation, I'll say, um, you're able to then make, I think, more informed, educated decisions when sudden opportunities present themselves or sudden disasters occur. Um, you know, you're able to react more nimbly, to think faster, to make smarter decisions when you've got this, this point of reference. So that, that's how I think about it. No, what's interesting is that the, about um, 5 million years ago, we had somebody on the Business Creators Radio Show, and we were getting into a discussion of how do you respond to it when somebody presents to you an opportunity? which mm -hmm. means join my program, buy my stuff. And if it doesn't seem to support where you're going right now, if it doesn't seem to align with your current goals, if it seems like it'd be more a distraction than an accelerant, there's a certain way to respond to that that helps you avoid the whole, well, but don't you want to invest in yourself? Or, you know, if you are a forward-thinking entrepreneur, you'd be okay putting it on a credit card and all that other bunk, is to simply say that, this is not an area that we are choosing to invest in right now. However, we can continue the conversation later. So mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in, I'm a big believer in not now as the answer to a lot of questions. Yeah. As and opposed to no. Exa right. ex exactly. And, and, and many times I will say not now is the answer. And for those who say, okay, cool. Well, when can we establish a check-in point? Then, hey, that's great. I'll set up a check-in point with them. I know when I'm recruiting people into my podcast reach system, I recently had somebody join the program who we had been meeting with monthly for six months just to check in to see on their progress of being ready. At no point did it occur to me to turn the screws to them because that would have generated a hard no. And I really wanted to work with this person. Right. So it, it, just, it just doesn't make sense when people put these hard sells on people. Now I've said not now, and I've had people try to put the hard sell on me. And I've said, cool, well, I really meant it when I said that this is something I'd be willing to revisit in six months. But if you want to rake me over the coals and try and force me into this and, and guilt me or badger me, then I'll give you a hard permanent no right now. Right, right. That's being penny wise and pound foolish as far as yeah. I'm concerned. So yeah, I think you're smart. Yeah, because so, yeah, the reason I bring this up is I just want to illustrate that having clarity allows you to sort between the yes, no, and the not now. Right, exactly. And, uh, you know, and I think the other point that I want to make is that you need some sort of frame of, frame of reference to figure out which of those three choices you want to make. And if you're kind of winging it, as opposed to having a, a, a plan, then it's harder to make those smart choices. So, yeah. So, uh, next thing I want to do is define our terms. How do you define yourself, Diane, the word inertia? Inertia, I take really out of the dictionary. So, you know, okay. an object at rest stays at rest and an object in motion tends to stay in motion. So right. it's really a double-edged sword. 
Yeah, and that and that's why I mentioned earlier that uh, when some people hear the word inertia, they think of something that is just immovable. And I use the word inexorable. It can something that is not in motion can be placed in motion. And once it's in motion, it's more likely to stay in motion, all other things being equal. So what are some of the benefits you see in building inertia into a business growth plan? And how do we do that in the first place? Right. Well, the thing, the negative side, or maybe I'll say the downside in this scenario with uh, inertia is that um, someone may say, wow, I want to start a business, but they become paralyzed with either fear, indecision, feeling overwhelmed. I mean, you know, words of your choice, feelings of your choice. Yes. Uh, And so they, they don't take that first step. They feel like they have to have all of the right answers and be totally prepared before they even take the first step. And so that's what I consider the negative side of inertia is not even getting started. So to me, the most important thing is to actually start the momentum, to start the movement and to take that first step. And a lot of times people will say, I don't have time to start a business or um, I don't have the resources or, you know, a host of excuses. Uh, And I will say there's always time because you can take 15 minutes a day and start and start building a business. It doesn't take hours and hours, days and days. You know, you were talking about your side hustle. Um, Two years. You know, there you go, right? Rome wasn't built in a day. And so if you just start taking those baby steps, then you've got the positive side of inertia, which is that there is forward movement. You are making progress and it doesn't have to be huge progress every day. Um, I try to encourage uh, clients to be consistent and to um, just keep chipping away at it. And honestly, 15 minutes a day, you'd be surprised what you can accomplish. And then of course, there are those moments where um, inertia really takes hold and you get in the zone and uh, 15 minutes may become an hour once in a while. And that's fine too. Um, but you know, people put all these awful expectations on themselves that aren't really necessary. So part of the reason that the business creators radio show is audio only is because I don't, I'm not going to sit up and hold my media pose for a whole freaking hour. Uh, a lot of times I'm actually taking notes and when our guest says something, I will immediately go to look something up or calculate something. So in this case, I did 15 times 365 which comes out to, if you spend just 15 minutes a day working on this thing within 365 days, assuming you do it every single day, you will put in 5,475 minutes. Let's divide that into hours, 91 hours. Nice. I, I mean, think about that. Uh, that is, you can accomplish a lot in 91 hours and 15 minutes. Well, if and- you are intentional and focused. Yes. And here's the other thing. If you take that 15 minutes and you write down very specific tasks, nice bite-sized chunks, um, not huge, overwhelming goals, but actual um, specific tasks, if they're small enough, you can get four or five done in 15 minutes. And then maybe, you know, some days and then other days, there may be one that hangs you up for the full 15 minutes or may flow into the next day. But if it flows into the next day, you probably didn't break it down quite enough. So, you know, I'm a big believer in baby steps um, and the value of them. So, you know, I'm pro that. (laughs) Yeah. And see, and there's something that I am a big believer in, too, is that. There are two different things that, or there's more than two, but I'm going to focus on one uh, duality. There are profound transformations and grand things that we accomplish. And then there are fixes the problems. (laughs) And what I see folks do is they actually get themselves into the form of inertia. And that's actually a form of like stagnation where they're not really moving because 
they are seeing, let, let me give you my personal example. Uh, I myself uh, have recently completed a detailed personal rebranding process, which included involving a, a certified image consultant, a, a complete wardrobe overhaul, a mm-hmm. photo shoot, and everything else you can name, every partridge within the pear tree. Okay. It was suggested to me that I put this off until I optimize my body shape, which is something I'm working on ongoing. <laughs> so here's, here's my response to it. I said, well, you know, when I, if I use these resources, if I have image consulting done, if I have a tailored wardrobe created and I work with a photographer to optimize my image as much as, much as possible, I can use what I have right now. That's a fix. So business and personal, I'm not catfishing people anymore. And my branding and my personal appearance optimize and highlight and accentuate the positives of what I have right now. Okay. It may take me a year to lose those last 60 pounds. So what am I, what am I going to do? Uh, you know, schlub it out for another year? I don't think so. So the transformation is, yeah, eventually I'll reach that level of fitness. But candidly, it's not something that keeps me up in the morning. And it's not, it keeps me up at night and not something that wakes me up in the morning. I work on it a little bit each day and I make an incremental progress. But right now, right now, I was ready for a makeover. And the makeover accelerates me both in my business adventures and my personal adventures. Use your imaginations to what I mean by that. Right. But I wasn't going to wait six months or a year for that. So that's how I, that's what I see sometimes is that people get stuck because they believe they have to achieve steps one through 73 before anything happens, but they could just solve one of the problems that like there's that song that I've got 99 problems, but a bankruptcy isn't one. Uh, Actually, I think it's a different B word, but anyway, um, but anyway, uh, you know, I, I reference that frequently uh, to think about, okay, so if there's 99 problems, which one can I solve today? Right. I'm glad you didn't listen to that advice because yeah. that, that ends up just being an excuse. Right. And, and just as an aside, I would certainly hope that, um, you know, I want to say the world isn't that superficial or at least right. the pe- you know, most people are not that superficial that you need to concern yourself with something like, you know, your weight or whatever, right. Uh, as opposed to what's going on in your brain. So, and and the value of what you're providing. So, um, you know, that's my commentary on that, but exactly. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. But, uh, there, there are all kinds of excuses that, uh, we can, and others apparently can throw in our way to slow us down, to, to stop us from getting started. And it's, they're, they're just excuses. You know, if you want this, I say, go for it. And if you don't have time, make the time. And I would sometimes say, or don't make the time. Maybe it's not that important to you. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, if it's important, you will make the time. And if it's not, you won't, Uh, you know, and then you've discovered something right there. Yeah. One of the things I do in my coaching and consulting is I urge my clients, and I also urge my friends and the world at large, whenever you're doing something and you're going through the motions of your day, you're doing those things you believe that are important, ask yourself this question. What would happen if I didn't do this at all? Mm. That it has an effect. You may discover that literally nothing would change. So you may be able to remove that step. Right. It'll also surface the things that are the highest returns on the investment of your time. So that's what you know you need to do more of. And by highlighting what matters, what helps, removing what doesn't, you also create space to bring in more optimized activities. So ask that question all the time. The answer won't always be, ah, we can skip this. The answer will sometimes be, this is why this is really important. Right. Yeah. So what, here's another thing I love, and uh, we're going to jump ahead here a little bit. Uh, You mentioned in your work, uh, task and time management systems. So what do you recommend 
in terms of how these help to keep business inertia moving forward? You know, I don't do anything that's particularly high tech. Uh, uh-huh. I, I will tell you, um, it's I, I keep it pretty simple. So um, one is, in my mind, it's comprised of five things. So one is to make a manageable to-do list. So as you were saying, you know, the, the important must-do things should be on there. And hopefully you can discern uh, which items are going to move you forward and which is just sort of white noise, um, you know, maybe coming from the crowd. So um, in order to make that manageable to-do list, it's really important to break them down into manageable bite-sized chunks. So choosing to do something overwhelming like um, um, uh, build my financial projections, um, that's, <laughs> that's overwhelming even for me to hear. You know, something more manageable is call, you know, ABC Insurance to get a uh, quote for liability insurance. That's something more manageable. So um, uh, making a list that is doable uh, is, I think, definitely job number one. Um, The second is that committing to 15 minutes a day. Um, Otherwise, you run the risk of the downside of inertia, which is not making any progress, not accomplishing anything, and suddenly coming to a halt. So you want to keep constant forward motion, even if it's just a little bit. And it's also a test for how committed you are. So, um, you know, if you find yourself just sort of avoiding uh, working on this project, whatever it is of building whatever business it is, then maybe you're just not passionate enough about it. So um, if it is something that you really want to do and you really believe in it, um, then those 15 minutes a day should be a lot of fun and exciting and motivating, uh, one would hope. Um, but real life often gets in the way. And so number three is setting boundaries, setting up a, a no interruption zone for those 15 minutes a day. So, um, you know, putting the dog in the crate or, um, um, having somebody watch the kids for 15 minutes or doing it while the kids are napping or, um, you know, having your partner, uh, you know, handle whatever responsibility there might be going on, who knows, but whatever it is, um, turning off your, you know, your phone for the 15 minutes, um, um, you know, turning off notifications, et cetera. So setting up a no interruption zone during those 15 minutes is crucial. Um, fourth is finding an accountability partner. So whether that is a friend, a family member, uh, a fellow entrepreneur where you can check in on each other or hiring a professional uh, such as myself or perhaps you, Adam, um, someone that can help you uh, focus and um, stay motivated and stay on track moving forward. That can make all the difference. So whoever it is, uh, you need to work with somebody that's going to be a positive influence on you. So, um, and really help you get where you want to go. And last but not least is um, periodically, if at all possible, work for a larger chunk of time. And the only reason I add that in there is because when you have that opportunity to have a larger chunk of time, even if it's an hour or or even, wow, two, um, but even an hour, you're giving yourself the chance to get in the zone, to, to get into a flow state where time just flies. And um, oftentimes it gives you an opportunity to step back and really think about the big picture. So with those 15 minute chunks, you can be very sort of micro and focused um, on, on, you know, very targeted task. Whereas in an hour, you can really um, um, take the larger view 
And that can be really helpful. So all of those pieces I find uh, seem to be very helpful to in terms of people moving forward and at a consistent pace and um, uh, and then over time being able to look back. And frankly, a lot of times clients are surprised. They're like, wow, I can't believe that I got all this stuff done in the last three months. You know, it, it's surprising. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, you know, you, you can't win if you don't play. <laughs> so if you're not, if you're not uh, actually working on building your business, then nothing's going to happen. So that's my view. That's very good. And I really appreciate you doing that in a stepwise fashion. And I agree. I like to keep things as simple as possible. I also believe that what, and I've seen this happen, is companies, ventures will find themselves in stagnation because they believe they have to have the perfect system or they have to have the, uh, the, the time management or content management or project management or what have you, software or application that does exactly what it needs to do. Back 10 years ago, when I used to own a website development firm, projects would get stalled by some tiny little thing that was so important to... Mm-hmm the website owner that I, let me, get, let me give you an example. And this is, um, this is actually something happened. Uh, you know, I believe you've been in business for a while. So do you remember about 10 years ago before Apple killed Flash that used to have those websites where you'd have the person walking along the bottom speaking, or if you had like a long form seller, they would literally jump along the sales letter. Yeah. Remember yeah. those? <laughs> yeah. Um, what, yeah. And, uh, and one of the, people who was heavily involved in that was my friend, Charlie McDermott, back when he had uh, an offering called Standout Video. One of my other clients invested in Standout Video and this other client uh, held up the project for about a week and a half because in Internet Explorer 6, consistently rated as one of the 20 worst softwares of all time. Yeah. On one of the buttons that this client was supposed to land on while they were jumping through their sales letter, their foot was two millimeters away from the button. Whereas in all the other browsers, it landed right on it. Like they were standing on the button. And so what I, and so what I said to them is, you know, we've been, we've been on this for a week now. I've already explained the issues with internet Explorer six and everything else. So what I need you to do now is either take this up with Bill Gates or give me a list of every single person you said that they will not invest in this until you cure that two millimeter problem right. and will definitely invest, meaning they've already given you their credit card in advance so you can process it as soon as they, as soon as you resolve that. And uh, for years and years and years, my client would retell this story and he would say that uh, the way I approached that was. Uh, you know, upset him for two reasons. Uh, one of which was he thought it was one of the most disrespectful approaches he ever received from somebody he had contracted to support his business. And the mm. other thing that upset him is he knew he knew I was right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first part of that really surprised me. The second yeah. part does not. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and 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 again, that's it, and that's every and that's everybody's journey. I think they go through at some point is recognizing the things that matter and the things that don't. So for all that energy spent on trying to close those two millimeters, three months later, the entire technology was blown out of the freaking water anyway. Right, right. But, so, you know, I, I have to say, but that's why an accountability partner, yeah. you know, regardless of who it is, is so important because sometimes you can't see the forest through the trees. And when you have that other objective person to say, what are you, crazy? Uh, you know, or, you know, let me put this into more realistic terms for you. Uh, Let me, let me give you some perspective, then, um, you know, that changes everything. When you're trying to do all of this on your own, you're in your own head too much. And that can end up being a rabbit hole. So um, um, you were able to pull him out, which was great. Well, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, what we discovered over time with our clients is uh, back in the early days, they had all these complexities built in. 
And you know how every so often you kind of have to rebuild your stuff just because A, technology, and B, it's a recommended practice to refresh your brand every few years. Right. I made a practice of progressively and consistently removing customizations and not even saying what I did. Do you want to know, you want to know how many times I've ever had to deal with questions about that? <laughs> Do if, tell. Uh, I'll let you know the first time it happens. Okay. <laughs> right. I, I've also I've also done it in my own business. I've removed a lot of my own complexities with uh, with our websites and with our with our marketing tools and our technologies. And I can't even remember what the complexities and the customizations were that I did away with. Well, that's why we have the famous quote from, I believe, Mies van der Rohe, you know, less is more. So. Yes. All right. So now, so now what I want to do next here, and uh, we're a little over halfway through, uh, we're having so much fun here, is now I want to speak with, about, I call them dependencies, and you call them next actions. So uh -huh. what is the importance, in your words, in your view, of setting next actions on day-to-day -day operations, as well as the business plan as a whole? You, you know, I, I mentioned this early on when we started talking about um, what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. So you can have all the best ideas in the world, but how are you going to how, how you're going to execute them is another story entirely. And so it is important to um I, I want to say have a plan, have a strategy, have priorities, I guess might be the better word, of what you need to do now and what is going to happen next. But that whole sort of overwhelming, I'm going to do my financial projections now is not a manageable plan or goal. It's just too large. So... Um, that's how I view that. <laughs> right. So I interpreted that slightly differently. And I think it's also a valuable exercise. One of the things that, one of the things that I have guided people to do in their businesses, and I've created my own business is to create a human dependency. I uh, think about it this way. Let's say that there's something on your list and, you know, it's just not the most important thing. You just don't get to it today. Well, <laughs> shucks. I mean, <laughs> You just didn't get to it. I mean, what are you going to do? You know, beat yourself up over it. However, however, if somebody else is depending on you accomplishing that so they can do their job, will you find a way through hell and high water? Right. Because, yeah. well, we, because even though we can forgive ourselves of certain things and say, ah, eh, well, I let that slip out as catch it tomorrow. It's not the end of the world. What we don't generally want to do is be seen as the holdup, the bottleneck, or to let others down. Right. Ho hopefully. I mean, that's the way yeah. I am and you are. And hopefully that, that is the yeah. way people are. I, 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 I know, unfortunately, it's not everybody, but, uh, right. but I like to give benefit of a doubt that it's most people. So a year ago, I, with one of my consulting clients, I guided them to make one change to how they do the, did their email marketing. And the change was simply... One person writes the content, another person puts it in active campaign and blasts it out. Mm -hmm. Because if the same person writing was also doing the programming and sending, well, you know, if that email didn't go out or we missed an e-zine or we forgot to send that podcast episode, oops, watch one on me. Yeah. However, you have, you have somebody saying, hey, I needed that by a certain deadline in order to be able to turn it around. Where is it? That's a whole different conversation. Right. And just that one exactly. change, that one change was all that was necessary to optimize their ability to be timely and voluminous mm -hmm. with their email communications that are opted in list, just involving two people. I love it. Yeah. So that's, that's how I, that's how I define it. And, uh, and when, and that's one of the, that's one of the two reasons that I give on how to make people actually care about deadlines is create dependency or, or a next action that somebody else is going to take. So here's another thing. And this is very important to our listeners because one of our avatars for the business creators radio show 
is the startup that's moving into revenue. Another mm -hmm. is the solopreneurial venture that has reached the point where it is able, and in some cases needing to leverage. Right. So how do you know when your business is getting too big for your own good? And is there a right size? I don't, I don't think that it, it's interesting because that's the first half of that question about reaching that point of knowing you need to leverage. Um, I, I think is important. And um, um, I, I think it's actually important and key if you want to grow your business. Right. But is there, is it possible to have a business that's too, um, you know, not too small for your own good or too big for your own good? I, you know, I, I don't think it's up to some, someone externally to tell you what size your business should be. Um, however, if your goal is to grow your business and you are hitting limits that are preventing you from the growth that you seek, then that means you need to, uh, you need to leverage, you need yes. to get external financing, but not everyone wants to do that. So it depends if you want to do that, then you need to take that leap and you need to consider, um, outside financing. And there are, you know, a variety of ways to go about doing that yes. and a variety of sources. And then there are others where, you know, you may not want to, grow beyond being a solopreneur or, or a, a three, you know, a three person firm, you right. may want a, you know, a certain lifestyle or, um, you don't want certain responsibilities or what have you. So it's really more about what you want and you envision for your business as opposed to what other people are telling you. So that's how I look at that. In my early days as an entrepreneur, I remember attending these teleseminars, being in these coaching programs. And all I heard was leverage, 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 hire people, hire people, hire people. So I would see these testimonies on social media where somebody said, that's it. This is the day I finally took action. I hired two virtual assistants, three copywriters, three webmasters, uh, two people to manage my social media and a personal assistant and a housekeeper. And then while I was at it, I also <laughs> threw in a... I also threw in somebody who a gardener and uh, <laughs> check my emails for me and answer my phone for me. Right. <laughs> and my thought was, and right. I mean, did you, I mean, did you have a, I mean, is there like a strategic plan here or right. did you just check off all these boxes because somebody said that you shouldn't be doing any of this yourself? Yeah. I have a story of a friend of mine who joined a mastermind because, uh, and one of the things they were looking to do is they were looking to increase the revenues and profits of their coaching practice. Mm -hmm. So I believe I'm going to, and I'm going to make up some numbers here that are approximate. I believe they were doing something like a quarter million a year in, in their coaching practice. And they wanted to move that up to maybe 400,000. And uh, so they were looking for, you know, how can I get more clients? How can I adjust my offers? How can I extend the lifetime value of a customer, what have you. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they shared that question with their mastermind group, they immediately pounced on them and said, no, what you need to do is add a zero to that number right now. And, <laughs> you, and you are only going to coach the three people that give you $100,000 a piece. And you're going to hire other coaches to deal with everybody else who you should not even be speaking to. And they pretty much walked out of the mastermind at that point, because that's not what they were asking. Right. And you know what? I mean, there's such danger, I think, in letting other people influence what it is that you want. You know, you yeah. have your goals and other people have their goals. And, yeah. you know, it's not about listening to other people. Um, you know, why, why should they have input in terms of what you want in your life? So if you, if you ask them, if you ask them for it, sure. Now, uh, I now my primary thing that I do these days is I work with entrepreneurs to help them launch their podcast is their key networking, client attraction, celebrity expert branding tool. Our packaging for doing that is called the podcast reach system. I designed the offerings in such a way where I can either do all of it myself without too much hassle. So if I only have one or two projects on the board at the time, I can keep all the money. But if I end up with 
seven or eight projects on the board, or I find that other things in my life are just causing me to not be able to do it. I designed it in such a way where significant pieces of it can be easily outsourced right. to pretty much anybody who has a certain set of general skills. So this, this is an offering where I can keep all the money myself, or I can outsource a lot of the labor behind it and still realize a profit. You know, when you gave the example of the friend going to the mastermind, uh -huh. um, it, it was interesting to me to hear that, you know, the other members of the mastermind pounced and said, and we're talking about adding a zero yeah. you know, to the goal number. Uh, it's funny. I approach it from the other end thinking, wow, you know, there are certain programs that can be developed where they don't need to hire anyone else. Um, they can be automated, you know, video on demand, yeah. um, self-learning, um, you know, it takes a lot of upfront investment in terms of time um, and effort, um, but I don't think a lot in terms of cost. Um, and so there are all kinds right. of ways you can grow your business. And I'd rather approach it from, from that end, as opposed to there's some, I mean, it's fine to have a target goal number. But, um, but you really need to start at the other end of how do you want to go about it? it? You know, is it a manpower issue? And, and do you want to manage more people? And if so, then yes, go on a hiring spree. Yep. Um, but if you don't, there are other options also. And so right. you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Right. And the, and, the way, and the way I've designed the podcast reach system is if I only have one or two of them on the board then, and I want to keep all the money, then I can do it. It's no real hardship. If I get to the point where I have five or six on the board, in particular, when some of them are about the same stage at the same time, yeah. I can outsource a lot of the labor side of it to others who have a, gen a very general set of skills. And, and the people who I would outsource that to are already in and around my business. See, I love so the so, flexibility. So, 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 so to them, they know that at some point I may come to them saying, Hey, you want to earn a little, want to earn a little extra? I need to, mm -hmm. I need to get a couple of these reachers through. You want to, want to jump in? Yeah. And I can solve it just like that. They're already here. They're already vetted. I already know they can do it. They already know how podcast reach works. I've already had the conversation with them at any time I can tap them and bring them in. See, I, I love the flexibility of that. Yeah. That, that to me is beautiful. So, um, yeah, I, you know, to me, a lot, a lot of this is really about, um, well, I, I love that it, it's sort of self, not self-sustaining, self-contained. That's the yeah. word I'm thinking of. Um, and so you can, it can be flexible. It's like just in time manufacturing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, and that, and that's also, that's also a good example. Uh, just, just in time, uh, boy, back when I was, uh, back when I was going for my MBA and they were talking about JIT, I, I used to just needle them by talking about just in case, <laughs> you, you, you know, you know, you know, and if you have an insurance agent named just in case, you're probably in the best hands of all. <laughs> you're bad. <laughs> I, I uh, so bad. It's good. Uh, so I'll, also I've been told I'm so unhip, it actually makes me hip. So we'll see what happens. Uh, now, when you set the goal and you're looking to reach the goal, that can create some anxiety. So how do you manage anxiety between setting the goal and then watching the numbers as you strive toward it? You know, that, that to me is where you need a support system. Uh, because when, you know, I, I think I referenced this earlier, when you're in your own head, <laughs> sometimes that yeah. can be a dangerous place. And so whether that support system is, you know, uh, I'll go through the, you know, family, friends, uh -huh. a professional advisor, you name it, whatever form it takes, having that other person um, who understands, you know, a co colleagues also can help. But um, so, you know, fellow entrepreneurs who've been there, been through it. Um, I know when I'm working with clients and they're feeling the stress, just being able to talk them through it and to be able to share experiences that I've either had or gone through with clients in similar situations, it immediately lowers the temperature and it calms right. things down. And just having someone else, whoever it is, 
to be able to listen and empathize ends up really, uh, and, and really sort of keeping, uh, keeping it real, you know? Um, so if they really are starting to spiral, it's sort of the old, you know, snap out of it, um, kind of, uh, um, scenario that's needed. So, um, yeah, that, that's how I handle it. So, yeah. And now, do you feel that in order to have these other people that uh, advise you and guide you, do they necessarily have to be professional business coaches? Well, no. And that's why yeah. I always say family, friends, uh, colleagues, um, you know, it doesn't have, to, you don't have to hire somebody, right. but having that support system, I think is, is really valuable and really important. Um so I, I would highly encourage anyone to do this alone in a silo. I can't even imagine. So um, right. um, you really got to have some kind of support system. Right. And in Podcast Reach, we speak of what's known, what we call a MAC, which is a mutual assistance community. It's a, um, oh, it's, it. it's a, it's a modification of what you see in the prepper community called a mutual assistance group. But it's the same type of thing where podcasters like me, actually have alliances with other podcasters. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a few, now here are a few ways that this actually helps to drive the podcasting market. Number one, let's say I interview somebody and I think, wow, I had this great conversation with somebody and there's this other person in my group who I think they would be an outstanding fit for. I will make that referral. Now, let's say somebody comes on my show or applies to be on my show and just doesn't even make it on because they're such a massive galactical pain in the ass. <laughs> well, that word gets around too. Right. And we protect each other from that sort of thing. Right. And the third item is when we need to bounce ideas off of each other or we find ourselves having real-time situations, it's good to rely on a peer. And the fourth is that you know, right now, right now, the pendulum in podcasting has swung so much in favor of the host that there are so many people out there who are ready to be interviewed, prepared to interview, and will deliver a great interview. There are so many more of them than there are active podcasts and spots to be filled on those active podcasts. However, there may also be a time where that feast turns into famine and having people around where if you're short a guest, you can uh, just go to them and say, hey, I'm short a guest. Can you pop in here? Right. And they'll do it. Right. Right. Those kinds of relationships are invaluable. And um, I, I think, you know, <laughs> no man is an island, right? Uh, you know, well, no woman either, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man short for human. So yeah. uh <laughs> We'll take the global human. So, um, oh yeah. Uh, but thank you for that. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I think, uh, you know, the human species is one that needs community, and so community is not only important but invaluable. So, yeah. Uh, even introverts need community. Like um, I'm so introverted. They had to make a new level on the scale on the left-hand side of it, just for me. Uh, and I, I didn't commu- know you I, were an introvert. I, and I, and I, I need community separately in our own homes. <laughs> That's funny. Cause I, 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 I'm an introvert too. So now we've got two introverts. Uh, well, and, 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 and since you are up on how all that works, you understand it doesn't have anything to do with being shy or outgoing or right. or ha- having or lacking social skills or anything like that. What introversion really comes in versus extroversion really has to do is how we gain and expend social energy or ex- gain and expend energy through social interactions. If I mean, right. it's more, I mean, it's an oversimplification, but if you want to describe it in one sentence, that's the distinction. Right. I have, I had a, I had a good friend of mine, God rest his soul. He was uh, he was a musician. He could get up on stage and do three sets without a break. Now, that was easy. Meeting the fans was something else. And he loved his fans, but he also had a meter on how much energy he had available for them. So he would have it specified in his performance contract 
down to the minute how long he needed to stay at the fan dinner, how long he needed to be available to sign autographs, how long he needed to be available if they had reporters on the scene or something like that. And let's say that he agreed to uh, be, be out in the hallway to sign autographs for people who buy merch for 45 minutes after the show. At minute 44, his bodyguards <laughs> would surround him and count down to 60, and then they would pick him up by his arms and carry him out. Wow. That's because that's because that's because that's about how much energy he had to deal with that. One of the one of the kindest, most generous, loving people that I've ever met in my life. But he also had a very keen understanding. Another funny story about him is, you know, his core group of fans really wanted to hang out with him. Really, really just wanted to hang out with him. So he was doing a he was doing a show at a casino once and he agreed that he would uh, come down to where they were hanging out. And just hang out, you know, he'd come down to where to hang out. So they got all excited. Oh, we're finally going to hang out with him. He came down, said hi, said, all right, guys, have a good night. And then went back up <laughs> to his room. And when, when he was asked about that, he said, well, I agreed to come down and see him. You didn't say anything about me staying. Uh, <laughs> that's heartbreaking. <laughs> but that, but that uh, you know, from the introvert's perspective, that's how it, works sometimes uh i i need that week of recovery from a 30 minute interaction yeah no it's in this it's not quite that extreme but yeah and then and then i know extroverted people who actually get more and more charged by interacting with others Mm -hmm. exactly and uh and the and the two energies are actually complementary neither is either good or bad right and one and one does not pale in comparison to the other the world needs both of these things. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So what I've loved about our conversation here today is how actually sim- simple it is to create that inertia of forward motion. It becomes inexorable. I believe that's a great theme that we have. And what I want to ask you in closing here before we show people how they can engage with you is if somebody is listening to this right now, and they're feeling like they need to do something. They need to move ahead on something. They need to make something happen, but they just don't know where the hell to start. What yeah. can they do now? Yeah. I, I think the first thing is they need to make that manageable to-do list. So just yeah. nice, small, specific bite-sized chunks of what needs to be done, what must be done in order to get started. And then committing 15 minutes a day to that. And, you know, it, it can be five days a week or seven, but no less than five. And um, uh, that will get them on the right side of inertia moving forward. So that is what I would recommend. Yeah. You know what I found sometimes if uh, like if I have something looming over me that I'm just trying to I'm just struggling to get myself motivated to get started is I'll just get started. Yeah. And it sets the whole process in motion. Dive in. Yeah. And and I also allow myself the space if I need to mentally prepare for, like if I need to do really focused writing, I know that in order to put myself in that mind space, I need to just kind of goof off for an hour. So I do it. Yep. And I actually build that into the plan to get it done. You know what? There are, I I think the two best times to think about, um, you know, to sort of get your mind ready and to get in the right headspace is um, right when you're waking up in the morning, (laughs) but you're not fully awake. Um, that's my second favorite. My first favorite is in the shower. When you're in the shower, your mind relaxes, you know, you can start free associating, uh, and then Uh start getting your head in the right space. So, um, um, that's what I always, that's when I'm sort of the most sort of productive and creative in that way. Yeah, we're actually, we're actually uh, near the end of our time here, but I will just point out very quickly for, for our listeners so they can search this on their own. What you just said is actually supported by science. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been studied. Uh, so I know that you have, your website is startupdistillery.com. Right. And I want to share that with our listeners, startupdistillery.com. But what I want you to do is tell us just very briefly what they're going to find when they get there and how they can engage with you when they're looking for that partner to help them move forward in these areas. 
Right. Well, when you come to startupdistillery.com, you will immediately see in several places my phone number. I love spur of the moment phone calls. Oh, There's that makes one of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I know, sad but true, uh, as well as my uh, email address, uh, contact sheet, uh, a way to sign up for my um, monthly newsletter. I don't like to bombard anyone. Um, and also information about the services I offer. So not only advising one-on-one, -on -one, but also writing custom business plans or for people with a tight budget. I've got a nice um, DIY business plan kit that has worksheets and templates and an ebook that explains it all for less than $200. They can see all the associated information about that product and those services and um, call me or email me with any questions. So great. Absolutely. So Diane, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. Adam, thank you so much for having me. It's really been fun. Thank you. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.